Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome to the calm before, well, the next storm. Uh, we take you up until uh, noon here today. Busy, busy program. We had to move a couple of things around as uh, we are off tomorrow. Iowa State women are on the road tomorrow. There is a uh, game, mid-morning game in Oklahoma, Iowa State, Oklahoma. Uh, it's one of those uh, school trip days, fill the building in Norman. So uh, we will be off tomorrow. Iowa State women in our place pregame at 10. I believe tip-off is set for 10.30, so... We will move some things around. John Walters coming up here in about 20 minutes. We will preview tonight's tilt between Iowa State and Baylor. It's scheduled to tip at 8 o'clock. If you can't be in front of your TV, you can hear the game down the hall on 100.3 The Bus. Likewise, the Hawks tip tonight. Maryland, I got that mixed up. Hawks, Maryland, 7. 7, correct. Iowa State, 8 scheduled. But regardless, the Iowa State game is on the bus. We do know that the Hawks play on WHO, 1040 WHO. That game tips at 7. And that's not all. Your first place Drake Bulldogs. Are, what's their tip time? 7 o'clock. Too bad. Yeah. I can't have everything, right? Can't have everything, but the doggies against a Bradley team that's playing well. Okay. Won seven out of their last nine. Four road victories in Are those they seven. in that uh, high, that jumble with yes. the Panthers? The next tier. The, the next tier. Tier two. Uh, with how many teams? One, two, three, four teams at seven and seven. So, yeah, big spot tonight. Yes, absolutely. Big spot tonight, Bradley and uh, uh, and Drake. And I told you when I went to the UNI Drake game, uh, what now, a little a over a week ago. ago. Yeah, a week ago from Saturday. And they had the one beer line, and it was long. Yeah, they. I heard made they some opened adjustments. They opened up another I beer line. That. Yes, I saw that. The people are coming out and enjoying their tall boys. That's good. Yes, uh, good, uh, good move. They look at when was the last time since? Well, I don't think we can find one since Brian Harden's been here. No, a bad move. No, right? It's it's hard to find one, uh, and good for them for doing that. It's a terrific season. Our fan base is um, look. It's been like every ten years. Well, they had to wait a long time, and then they had that ten year, uh, t- that one year, seven and eight, and getting a little payback here this year. Been fun for the doggies. So it's going to be terrific basketball. Hopefully, uh, in our state tonight, uh, it was perfect weekend. Let's see if they can duplicate that. Uh, duplicate that here on a Tuesday night. But Maryland's going to be difficult. Baylor is outman, underman, a lot of injuries. Uh, we'll get into that. John Walters at ten twenty. Shelby Mast, BracketWag.com, in his regular spot coming up at 1045. What did that Kentucky win do to Tennessee? Or likewise, what did it do to Kentucky? Uh, the K-State uh, loss to Iowa State, what did that do for both of those schools? So lots of questions for Shelby Mast. He joins us at about 1040, 1045-ish. 11 o'clock, John Miller, Hawkeye Nation, previews Maryland, Iowa. Shelby uh, Shelby Mast, John O'Ran. We get John O'Ran, Sports Business Daily. I, I love the segment. I do. Mm-hmm. Don't you, Trent? I, I wonder sometimes because I talk to people and John Oran's one of the favorite guys that we get through the course of the year. Mm-hmm. And he's a Maryland grad, so it's timing-wise. We, we try to always get him right around Iowa, Maryland, and again in the fall uh-huh. if I was playing Maryland. Try to get him at that time. And maybe we're really close to the situation because some people are like, oh, yeah, you know, the Darren Ravel's of the world. Mm-hmm. Now, Ravel's kind of his own animal. I right. mean, he can be annoying, but... I just there there's so many different breaks angles. more sports business stories yes. than anybody I follow on Twitter. And there's a lot going on. You have TV contracts that mm-hmm. we can get into. ABC the, wants to be part of the uh, NFL. If that's mm-hmm. the case, 
not room for everybody. Who goes? Does CBS get outbid? Does Fox? I'm not sure what Fox's contract is. But John will join us at 11.15. I hope and I believe you're going to find it very entertaining. I know that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, sports business is... Um, Something we maybe should spend more time on, but we get John O'Ran to do that today, and we're better off for it. And then Zubin Mahente uh, will close things out here at about 11.30. So, Trent, let's start with last night. I don't know, uh, you know, what's your Monday? I know you were going out to do a podcast yep. at some point. Um, Virginia, Virginia Tech was an entertaining basketball game for one reason. Virginia let them stick around, not purposely. <laughs> but but Virginia was un-Virginia-like, undisciplined, um, turned the ball over, it just seemed like that was every school, every team has one of these. They just have so much talent that they're over able to overcome it. They're on the road, in state rival, yada yada yada. Um and Virginia didn't play their best basketball game with the exception of Guy, who's just a terrific player. He is. Oh my Can God. fill it up. Oh. Handles the ball well, mm-hmm. the way they play. You know, I, I did wonder as you look back at the two Duke games, and really those are the spotlight games yep. for, for them throughout this season. They started off and you'd think well, the pack line defense is perfect against Duke. Duke's not a great shooting team, and Duke carved them up. Mm-hmm. And then we see them the second time. They readjust, and they go back to the drawing board, and they do something differently, and that doesn't work either. Yep. And if that, if it's a mental block almost for them because— Or are they playing the best team in the country? Could be that, too. <laughs> right. It could, very well could be that. But you have two different, very uh-huh. different kind of styles defensively, and neither of them work. Mm-hmm. And, and because it doesn't feel like Virginia's played their best— well, they certainly did last night, yet they were able to prevail. There's, that's a talented basketball team. I agree. I do think that with the uh, – who did the game last night? I don't remember. Uh, but um, no, I think it was Billis because they put the uh, the Red Panda lady was the 94 feet with Jay Billis. Did you happen to see that? I didn't, know. Uh, now, they didn't go anywhere. They, okay. they, they, she stayed in place on her unicycle. Oh, I, I was hoping was the, she was going to go up the court well, on the unicycle. Apparently, they tried that, yeah. and the sound didn't work out. Ah, so they sense. just yeah. – they did it, uh, you know, they put her at, at uh, I don't know where they did it, but somewhere on the floor and they didn't move and they just did a couple of, it's actually pretty good. It was yeah. a pretty good bit. I give ESPN credit. The Holly Rowe piece from earlier this year when she uh, took us into the bowels of Allen Fieldhouse mm-hmm. and for those of us who'd never been there before, saw something maybe for the first time, I thought that made for very good television. Uh, way better than the Billis thing, but it was, you know, give them, um, give them credit for trying. Uh, Virginia, uh, again, they're, they were able to overcome their own mistakes last night, and that's what good teams do. Here's where I want to go with you, though. The Big Ten game was really entertaining mm-hmm. to me. Wisconsin and Illinois, neither one of them could make a shot early. Here's my, here's my takeaway, my biggest takeaway from this game last night, Trent. You don't want to play Illinois. Not Illinois is going to all. pick somebody off. Yes, they are. They are going. Underwood is doing a really nice t- uh, job with that team. They guard you. Mm-hmm. I hope that this team comes back next year because they're going to be better next year. You got a, a lot of youth. Bashanas Vili is terrific. The Sonamu we know about. Fraser and Williams and uh, even guys off the bench. Griffin who had uh, three and a uh, uh, lay in back to back. He was he was active in his moments. Felice is a nice player. Illinois dangerous team. I don't think you want to see. When, once the teams get to Chicago. You know, my biggest takeaway going back to when Iowa played them, that's when we... Is they guard you. They were getting... Iowa played a ridiculous game. Well, Wieskamp was 4-4. Four for four. Somebody else was... Moss was 5-5. Five for five, something. Like, they shot unbelievable. And even throughout that game, Illinois was still playing hard. That was at a point where they're playing some terrible basketball. Mm-hmm. They come off the big win against Minnesota, but outside of that, it was a terrible that's basketball That's right. They just, beat, they just throttled Minnesota yep. the pre- previous game. Yep. Iowa just shot them out of the gym. But those kids, all the way to the final buzzer, they were engaged. Yep. They were guarding. They were trying. wasn't working out very well for them. 
And that was my first time with Brad Underwood that I said, it's not gone very well these first two years, but to have this happen now for a second year and be a disappointment for year two, yet these guys are still engaged, I think that said a lot about Brad Underwood and the future of Illinois. No doubt. My other takeaway from the game, and I think you're spot on with everything you just said, was Wisconsin has a player who is a legitimate He's not going to win it, but he's a candidate for player of the year in college basketball. Yep. In the Big Ten, for sure, mm-hmm. and in college basketball, period. Yes. You can't win the player of the year if your team cannot have you on the floor in crunch time. And the reason they can't have him on the floor is he's a 47% free throw shooter. Shot three of them yesterday, missed every single one. He is, it's hack a Yeah, it is. And it, it, it's gotten worse. And he's such a threat at both ends of the floor, Trent, but you know as soon as he touches the ball, whoever's closest to him is going to follow him. A couple weeks ago, Beeline got in trouble doing that because he didn't have the ball. He just followed right. him without the ball. You can't do that in college basketball. Right. I, so I was looking at his numbers. His freshman year, he was a good free throw shooter. Was he? Guy, 65%. Yeah, it's time for that. And I heard he had made something like 10 of his first of 11 that year, and then since then it's just fallen off. It's fallen off. He went back this year, this summer, Mm-hmm. redid his stroke at the free throw line, everything that he went through, kind of getting ready for it, two bounces and a spin, whatever it is. And then he went away from it. He missed a couple in the first couple of games and decided to go back to his old form. And now, speaking of mental blocks, I mean, yeah. I mentioned the Virginia mental block. Right. This is completely different. This guy is too talented. He is. To not be able to make free throws. No, he's such a smart basketball player. He is a massive threat. Yet they have no choice but to keep him on the bench in the final three minutes of the. I think he was he went to the bench. I'm trying to think, Trent. Maybe five and a half, four and a half minutes left in the basketball game, and mm-hmm. did not see the floor again. And it's close at this point. It's really close right. at this point. Now, Davison, boy, you want him on your team, but boy, you can't stand him if oh, he's not. A, he is he, such a punk. He is a punk. Yes. Absolutely well put. That's the word I thought last night when I was watching the game. Mm-hmm. Boy, he gets away with stuff too. He, yes, he really and truly does. Yeah, I don't like those kind of players. I go back to Aaron White, who's between the years as smart as anybody. Well, Nicholas Bear now. Um, but I, the histrionics that went around, along with Aaron White's gear are too good for that. Davis is not Aaron White good. No. He not doesn't have that shot. level of talent. No, he doesn't, which makes it all the worse for, for White in my book <laughs> to do what he did. But Davison last night, time after every single time I watch Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. You get more annoyed with him. And so does the other team. And how does somebody on the other team not drop this guy? I mean, it, you, it's, it's got to take an incredible amount of discipline. Not you just reel off and just clock him. Do we see, have we seen a fight in college basketball? This year? At all no, recently. I can't think of anything. Uh, I mean, you talk about how different the NBA and college basketball is. Right. That's one component. I don't want to see a fight in college no, basketball. No, no, not at all. But you figure at some point somebody mm-hmm. is going to do and that. And if, if it is, it's going to be this kid. Right. He'd be in the middle Grayson of Grayson Allen the last couple yes. of years. And, and now this kid, Davison, he's a nice player. He he was really, really important down the stretch for this Wisconsin team. Got some whistles his way. But boy, oh boy, he just can't stand watching him. Quick aside here as I was looking at Hap's numbers. So this year, from the free throw line, mm-hmm. 43.4%. So it's even worse. I thought it was 47. 43.4 after last night's game. In conference play, uh-huh. 22 for 66. That's crazy. I can do that, Osage. That's Matt. a third. That's a third. 22 of 66 in conference play. And, and and this guy is getting legitimate conversation for player of the year in conference for sure. Mm-hmm. 
And there's some buzz out there, but he's not going to win. You can't win either if you can't be on the floor at the most important time of the game. And if they didn't have Reavers. He's good, isn't he? They, they'd be in big trouble. Yes, boy, he's a block party. He yes, is he something is. to watch. I like this kid's game. He's come a long and way. And Iverson's got some ups. Yes, he does. I mean, he can really get up. He had a dunk in that game last night. Just, it's about I mean, all he the is. the place went crazy. Yeah, Duncan at the defensive end of the floor, yes, too. Intimidates right. some shots. Yeah, that's a good point. He, and, and Trice is the, the one guy that can create his own uh-huh. shot. This is a good team. They are a good and team. Although last night, Trent, honestly, I thought Illinois was going to win the basketball I game. I did too. I was right there with you. I thought, you know, that, I, that the talking points today when we reconvened here at 10 o'clock this morning, we would be talking at least at some point about, boy, oh boy, Illinois picks off uh, Wisconsin, opening the door. If Iowa can beat Maryland tonight, that double bye, very much in play. And if you're it still Iowa, is. You don't want to drop down to the 8-9 game and see Illinois on the other side or them be the 11 uh, or the 6. uh 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 the importance of this game—it's huge. That double buy is still a real possibility. See, I, I don't think we're—I don't think we're giving Illinois too much credit. I no, don't. If you no. watch that game, if you watched Illinois, this is a team that's better than their record. Mm-hmm. They were bad early, but these kids are starting to grow up. They guard you. Yes, they defensively. For the longest time, it was Iowa and Illinois by far the worst defensive teams yeah. in the Big Ten. It wasn't close. They've moved up. In fact, I think they were in the 120s in defensive efficiency. You're talking about Illinois? Illinois. They're mm-hmm. up to 65th. Yeah. To I'm do not that surprised. during conference play says a lot. Yep, it does. Underwood can coach. We saw that at Oklahoma State. Yeah. Dude knows how to coach Stephen F. Austin before that. Remember Stephen F. Austin, that bearded guy they had? Yeah. Looked I don't like remember his name, but I remember he who you're awesome. talking about. Hey, uh, here's the other thing. We're going to get to John Walter's five minutes. I'm surprised, or maybe, yeah, I am surprised um, that the national media is trying to not make a story, but doesn't understand the Fred Hoiberg back in Ames and Steve Prohm rolling out the red carpet and and giving him an opportunity to talk to the team. His freaking jersey's hanging in the rafters. Good for Steve Prohm for doing it, that there were more national basketball guys. I'm not saying they didn't like it. I think that they were confused by, well, let me get this straight. The most popular guy in Ames who's left, who's now unemployed, is back in Ames, and the the guy that took his place is welcoming him back into the fold and having him speak to the team. Why wouldn't he? Right. I, I don't understand how that... Is it Myron Medcalf? It's Myron Medcalf from yeah. ESPN. Yep. And Cyclone fans, they real, they're really good. I mean, they, you know that fan oh, yes, don't yeah. agitate them. Not Because they'll come all. at you in mass, and they, they went after him in mass. Online, they will get after yes. you if you make a mistake. They'll win every single poll that and, there's an Iowa State, uh, yes. that there's an Iowa State uh, uh, topic. Yep. They will, they'll control that. But if you, if you wrong them, and they're right to do this in this respect. I didn't understand the take. I really and truly don't. So do these, a guy like Metcalf, does he believe that they're going to fire Steve Prohm to rehire I don't Fred know, Hoiberg I guess. since he came back to talk to the team? Maybe. Is that the take? It was just, That's one of the dumbest things no I've No one would ever do this was kind of, was, was kind of his take on this. I, I've never heard of this before. Well, it's different. This is Fred Hoiberg. You know, Fred Hoiberg's not going to be... Apparently, Patino is getting the UNLV job, mm-hmm. and that's already a done deal. Well, but there's already a sitting coach, and you know how that is. Yeah. You know, if you, until the coaches walk to the plank... Um, coaches don't like to listen to those offers. Maybe they actually do. I'd probably be naive to think otherwise, but it doesn't become public. I have no, I think good for you, Steve Prohm, for doing this. Yeah, I think it says a lot about Prohm. Absolutely. To be secure enough 
right. to invite that guy back. Uh-huh. Because there are plenty of coaches this is Steve that wouldn't team. do this. I guess, maybe. There, I, a lot of coaches that don't have that security, that feel secure mm-hmm. enough in themselves. And I'm sure Steve Prohm, Steve Prohm's just a nice guy. Yes, he certainly he, comes across like that, Trent. He's, he's he really a, does. He's a good person. I get the same, I get the, I've got the same opinion of him. From he's probably on. in the wrong profession. College basketball. <laughs> yeah, he, he should be selling pharmaceutical sales or something like that. He just he seems I'm glad too he's nice not because he's good as what he, he's he is. Good at what he does. He absolutely is, and coaching you know volleyball or something like that. Yeah. And, and look at the shoes he filled too. I mean, those, yes. we're just talking about the guy's shoes he filled. That's a, that's, you always want to be the guy that follows the guy, right? Well, yeah. Prom didn't have that, and and look what he's done with this program. Last year we knew it was going to be a bad year, and it was. And he rebuilt the roster. He did. He he rebuilt the roster. Mm-hmm. You know, is isn't leftovers anymore. No, uh-uh. that is gone. Uh, the the Monte Morris, the George Niang, the Matt Thomas, uh, the Mitru Long, that group, Jamil McKay, that group is long gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- this is his team. I was really surprised. We will take a timeout. More Iowa State conversation with John Walters next. Shelby Mastin about, oh, 25 minutes from now. John Miller leads off the 11 o'clock hour inside sports business with John Oran. What's the website? Is it Sports Business Daily? Uh, day, well, it's the Sports Business Journal. Sports Business but Journal. But their daily newsletter that they send out is just that. The daily. It, it's it's he's he's really good at what he does. Yes, we're he we're is. glad to have him. Uh, we're glad to have Zuba Mahente to round things up again. We are off tomorrow, so we're cramming some stuff in here on a Tuesday. If you're a Cappy fan, uh, who normally joins us on Wednesday. We had to push him back to Friday. Okay. So Cappy will join us on Friday for this week only. He's back from spring training. We'll pick his brain on that. Hopefully by then we've got some movement with some of these superstars. You would hope in so. MLB. I thought the Harper thing was going to be done. Um, Machado Here. likewise. Here come the Padres. Going to have to dust off my Tony Gwynn jersey. Hmm. Do you really have one? Yeah. Do you have the the uh, the brown one? What was the? No, I got the blue and orange. Oh, that's not a bad jersey. That's, not... a, good, that's a good jersey. I, I got an old brown school head. Tony Gwynn, him and Kirby, my guys. Short, yeah. fat guys like me. I've got a Tony Gwynn rookie card. Oh. I do. Well, I'd give it to my son, but that's why I bought it for. But, um, yeah, I bought. I invested in Tony Gwynn. One of the few that I got right. What was your other bad your bad Ray Odonius. Ray Odonius. <laughs> he had 224. And I was right to take a rookie shortstop in the city of New York. Yeah. I just had the one in the wrong ballpark. Swing and a miss. Uh, John Walters next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Your home for Iowa State women's basketball is right here. This is head coach Bill Fenley on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Miller and Con, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Gannett's bracketologist Shelby Mast in about 15 minutes or so. We take you up until noon. Let's get John Walters in here. Iowa State tonight. Baylor, 8 o'clock, pregame at 7, down the hall, 100.3. The bus with John and Eric. John joins us. John Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, John Walters? Doing great. How are you guys? Doing fine. Um, You guys bust back from K-State. Was that a change of plans? Yes. Uh, when, when we left the arena at 6, yeah. uh, the, the initial plan was to fly out of Manhattan into Ames, which is 
about a 45 minute to an hour flight. Perfect. Great. Be back at seven o'clock. Well, that was quickly scrapped, and they said, "No, we're going to have to at least bust to Kansas City and maybe fly out of there." But then that didn't shape up very well. When by the time we got to Kansas City, and it was just you might as well just stay on the bus and, mm. and just keep going. So turned out into about a eight and a half hour odyssey. Uh, got back at about two thirty in the morning to the Ames Airport, and then uh, white, white knuckled my way to Ankeny. Uh, it got home at about three thirty. That's unbelievable. Well, I think it was. I, I knew that because I think Cam Lard or one of the one of the players were talking about the MVP. The bus driver that yeah. was it the same bus driver that picked you up from the arena thought that you were t- they were taking he was taking you to the airport that actually brought you all the way back, John. That is correct. Yeah, That's that was Horton Tucker that called him the real MVP. That's who it and, was. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is pretty accurate. But uh, yeah, I mean, he he initially thought he was just going to be taking us to the airport, <laughs> and then a little bit more than that. But uh, he got us there safely. What more could we ask? John, I want to. Uh, that's great news. Uh, I want to start with yesterday and the national media's reaction to Steve Prohm welcoming Fred Hoiberg. Uh, back into the building at practice, talking to the team, essentially, you know, rolling out the red carpet. Yet I was struck by how confused, how confounded a number of national, well, this should never happen anywhere else is, boy, what's he thinking type of thing. This is Fred Hoiberg who's unemployed. Uh, I was, I was kind of confused by this, John. I guess they don't know a coach Hoiberg or coach pro maybe as well as they thought they do, but did that catch you off guard? The reaction to the whole story? Or non-story. Yeah, I, I, I kind of laughed at that, too, for the same reasons you did, Ken. I mean, let's face it, Steve Prohm, since he's gotten here, has never felt uh, you know insecure in who he is. He's just himself, and he always is, and that's what I love about being around him. He, he's a very genuine person, and he's completely honest when you interview him. He never sugarcoats anything. He just tells you, tells it like it is. And, um, you know, so... He has welcomed back former players from the minute he got here. It was one of his first initiatives was to start a reunion and try to bring bring back former players. And um, he loves Fred, and he loves the you know Fred was uh, a, a part of Steve being hired. He he suggested uh, Steve as a guy that Iowa State should take a look at um, when they were looking for a coach to replace Fred. And so um, they have a great relationship and uh, a lot of respect for each other. And Steve would never uh, feel insecure about bringing anybody back. And uh, it, it was pretty comical. And, and you know, Fred, he, he's never going to stop coming back to Ames. This is where he grew up, and this is his <laughs> home. And so um, it, it's really cool that there is an open door. Why wouldn't there be? Uh, you've got you know, a, a guy whose number is up there on the banner right. in the rafters. You, you want that guy coming back and speaking to your team and being a positive influence on your program. So I thought it was great. John, as you know, I'm a bit of a degenerate. What's the favorite for next year? Fred Hoiborg's coaching in college or the NBA? Well, I just I hope it's that you can end it with coaching. You know, I, yeah. I hope he is coaching. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he really wants to be in a front office position right now. Although I think he certainly could do that. Um, but I think he still has the itch to coach, and I hope he gets that opportunity. I think he will. Um, I, I hope you know for his sake if. if if he prefer to be in the NBA, that it's in the NBA. And, you know, it wouldn't be the first time that a guy um, got a second opportunity within that league or a third opportunity or a fourth opportunity. So, um, you know, it, it just is it's sometimes just finding the right fit. I mean, 
you know, Fred, uh, if he had gone to Golden State, you know, uh, with mm. all that talent there, yeah. uh, they'd be talking about what a tremendous transition he made to the NBA game and, yep. and how he's one of the best coaches in, in the NBA. I don't have any doubt about that. And so um, I, I think with another opportunity and a new roster and a new a fresh start that he could have a lot of success somewhere. And I hope he is coaching in the NBA somewhere. But if not, He's great for college basketball, and it would be great to have him back at this level too. John, we'll go back to last week prior to the uh, to the K State game, uh, which was uh, a huge, huge road win for Iowa State, picking off a ranked team and doing so on the road. And I know you have an opportunity to go to practice when your schedule permits. Did you notice uh, a difference in practice going back to last week prior to the K State game? Maybe more focus or Coach Prome uh, not lighting him up, but reminding him what it takes, or maybe it did light him up. What was practice like, John? Do you? Uh, can you share uh, share some light? You know, I, I'm going to admit that I'm not smart enough to recognize, and through the years I've been fooled way too many times into thinking, hey, this team really looks ready. It's like the pitcher warming up at the bullpen <laughs> that says, I've got my best stuff, and then goes out there and just gets lit up. And, you know, Coach Blum kind of alluded to that after the game. I talked to him about it. He says, you really don't know sometimes. You know, and I, I got the feeling they didn't practice particularly well uh-huh. during the week. But, um you know, I think one thing is that he, he could tell when they got to Manhattan and they practiced there and, and they were ready to play on game day that they were ready. And I, I think that this team has shown a remarkable ability to um, kind of when the when the deck is stacked against them, find a way to dig down and really play their very best basketball. And it's it's happened time and time again this year. I mean, look back to that stretch when they were going to Ole Miss. Where they, well, they went to Texas Tech, Ole Miss. They had Kansas on the road in there. They had that four-game stretch that everybody thought, man, if they could at least split those four games, it's about the only way they're going to save their season because they were 2-2 two and two going into that. And then they ended up winning 3-4, or four, you know, and, and big road wins at Texas Tech and Ole Miss. So I think when these guys have been in those situations before, they've really risen to that occasion, and it just shows what they're capable of. Uh, but, you know, when you have – guys making 14 threes and you have Taylor Horton Tucker and Lindell Wigginson hot on the same night and then as you mentioned Ken just a real bounce in their step I thought they played really hard they got after it they got after the boards they were really good defensively um you know it, it adds up to the team that can really beat anybody in college basketball and it so happened that that night it was K-State and I think around the country a lot of people were watching that game saying you know if K-State wins this thing the conference race is mm-hmm. pretty much done yep um, but Iowa State not only put themselves back in the conference race, they put the whole league, the top half of the league, back into the race as well. Including Kansas, but uh, we'll, we'll leave that to the side. <laughs> Sadly, yeah, yes. So, yeah. You know, Mariel Shayok seems to be maybe struggling a bit with the jumper, but so impressed what he did Saturday. Ten rebounds. I mean, ten rebounds out of a guard. Impressive. And he's been doing more than just being a scorer. He had five assists against Oklahoma Good to see, and I mean, I think that goes a step in step with a senior leader. You might be struggling with a part of your game, but you're going to find other ways to help the team. Yeah, and he's going to take, he's going to continue to take shots too, and mm-hmm. and they want him to because he takes good shots. He doesn't take, he doesn't take four shots. Uh, and, and there's been games where he struggled to shoot it, and at the end of the game, he's still risen up and made big plays. And Kansas State was another example of that. His drive and three point play was really the backbreaker for Kansas State in that game. And if you go back to the Texas game at home, he had a deal breaker there with about 25 seconds to go to put him up five and make it a two possession game. At Oklahoma, he had big shots late on a night where he hadn't had a particularly big offensive night. So, you know, he never loses his confidence. 
uh, and they don't lose their confidence in him. It's one of the things I love about Coach Brom. I, I heard him interviewed this week where he talked about just not trying to overcoach guys and have them look into the bench concerned that if they miss a shot, they're going to be coming right back out. You have to give them a little bit of freedom. And I think that's something Fred really excelled at, too, was just that that willingness to um, say, hey, we'll correct some of the shot selection stuff with film during the week. But during the middle of a game, I want those guys shooting it with confidence. And I, and I don't want them looking over the bench wondering, hey, was that a good shot or a bad shot? I want them one playing with that confidence, and I think he does that very well. Uh, John Walters with Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. John, any update on Mason and McClure? Both of them missed the, uh, their last game. I think it was uh, Texas Tech uh, that uh, that handed it to him. Mason, grad transfers, had a really nice year. McClure, senior leadership, he's averaging about 10. Any update on those two, John? I'm, I'm still in the dark as to whether or not they're going to play tonight or not. Um, Coach Prohm thinks maybe Mason w- would be more likely to go mm-hmm. up to. Um, I mean, a guy that scored 40 against TCU this season, uh, he's had a mm-hmm. tremendous year. I, I thought he was playing at a first-team all-conference type level uh, when he got hurt, and it's a shame because the guy has had a litany of injuries throughout his career. I mean, he played one game over his final two years at Yale because of injuries. Wow. and um, So, you know, it... it, it it's amazing what Scott Drew did with that team when they lost Tristan Clark, which was in the Iowa State game, the first meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, by far their best player, everybody thought, going into the season. And when that injury happened, a lot of people, myself included, really thought, okay, they're done. Then they went out and won six games in a row and reinvented their team and started playing small ball. And he's done a great job with that team. But, yeah, when you start adding McClure and Mason into the mix, now your top three scores are all out. Uh, they've struggled a little bit with that of late, but um, I don't think the injuries are major injuries, so I'm, I'm sure they're hoping to get them back, if not tonight, then later on this week. But I still think this is an NCAA tournament team. Uh, I think they are the most unpredictable team in the Big 12, and you better be ready, because as we found out with TCU, yeah. if you you know, give them a little daylight that they're certainly capable of delivering a knockout punch. Mm-hmm. Speaking of injuries, John, were you surprised? You know, being uh, being uh, at floor level and seeing Dean Wade leave the leave the game on on Saturday, and he couldn't get back in, and uh, he couldn't hardly walk as he stopped halfway up the floor. And then here he is in Morgantown last night. He's starting and playing thirty two minutes and playing as as you know, typically Dean Wade type of game. Uh, did that surprise you that he played as quickly as he did after what you saw Saturday? Well, and I was watching the replay of that game actually this morning and, and hadn't really been paying close attention to his injury to see kind of what happened to him. But as I watched it this morning on the on, on DVR, it just looked like he kind of turned his ankle a little bit. And uh, if it wasn't a high ankle sprain, sometimes those things hurt a lot right when it happens, but you can recover pretty quickly. But I think the other part of it is they knew, he knew how badly they needed him yeah. yesterday. I mean, West Virginia on their home floor, even though they're not having a good season, that was such an important game for Kansas State. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, he gutted it out and had a pretty good game for him. And it was actually a 42-42 game, you know, in the second mm-hmm. half. And they hit a 14 nothing run to put it away. But uh, that was a big, big win for Kansas State because otherwise we're sitting here looking at, you know, the potential for a four-way tie for the league lead after tonight. You know, as you look back at the renaissance of Iowa State basketball and what they did under Hoiberg and here into Prome, a big part of that was the personalities, and probably the biggest part was George Niang and the personality that he had. Who's the character? Who's the personality of this Iowa State basketball team? Well, that's a good question. It is. Uh, I, you know, I, I, there's such different personalities. Um, you know, Shayok is kind of that alpha dog. 
mm-hmm. personality for sure. Um, and, and I think, you know, Lindell and, and mm-hmm. Palin, as I mentioned, they're kind of that, that shot-seeking, shot-hunting type guys, which you want them to be. But I think the real quiet leader of this whole team is Nick Weiler-Babb. And it, it, it's not the super outgoing personality of a George Niang, but it's just that quiet, steady leadership, maybe more in the Monte Morris mold. And I think when you look at the end of a game, and, and there's Nick, he played 40 minutes against Kansas State. Right. He, is the, he is that quiet, uh, setting influence on this basketball team from the point guard spot, which you want, and a senior. And I, I think he is kind of the personality of this team right now with his leadership, and it's it's something that probably won't earn him any All-Big 12 accolades when the season's over. I doubt that he'll make the All-Big 12 team. But I think if you went and surveyed coaches around the league and said, I know you're probably going to vote Shayok or this guy or that guy, um, they would probably say the MVP of this Iowa State team is Nick Weiderbath. Couldn't agree with you more. John Walters uh, joining us, the voice of Iowa State. John, thank you. Uh, we will catch the pregame at 7, and uh, you're supposed to tip at 8 o'clock. Um, if you can't be in front of your TV, you can listen to it down the dial on 100.3 The Bus. John, great to talk to you. Thank you. Yep, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yep, good to talk to you. John Walters uh, chiming in. We'll take a break. We'll hear from Shelby Mass, bracketologist, bracketwag.com. He's Gannett's USA Today's, all the Gannett papers, bracketologist. He joins Miller and Condon next on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, busy 11 o'clock hour. John O'Ran, Sports Business Journal. John Miller uh, and Zubin Mahente. Right now, he is the Gannett newspaper chain's bracketologist, USA Today, etc. Des Moines Register. Shelby Mass joins us in his weekly spot. Shelby, uh, Trenton Ken again. Thanks, as always, for doing this for us. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Doing pretty well. I want to go back to Saturday night. The Tennessee-Kentucky game, it didn't surprise Trent. It really caught me off guard. Kentucky, they're a young team, um, nice team. I thought Tennessee was the better team, but boy, was I proven wrong. What did that do, if anything, uh, to the uh, bracket, Shelby? What it did for me, it moved Kentucky to the top of the two line which I think is fair. Tennessee, that's a that's a road loss at a tough team, so I can't knock them off the one line for that, but it moved them down in the one line, which moves them to Kansas City in the Midwest and Virginia to the south, meaning Kentucky can now be the two-seed in the south, which is what they covered. That's Louisville, right? Yeah. Right, perfect. That. Yeah. So around here, there's still the conversation, Iowa, Iowa State, what's it going to take to play in Des Moines, play close to home? With so many teams kind of around the Midwest that unless they move their way up to a three or even a two line, that might be difficult. Its top four seeds are supposed to be protected, but not every, not all those 16 teams, if you will, are going to be able to play close to home, right? That's right. Just the way they, they lay these out so far in advance, and they don't know who's going to be good. I mean, they have an idea coming into the year, but at that point, things are set up. You place your one seed in their preferred pods then down to your two seeds, and then three and four seeds basically get what's left. Hopefully there's one close enough to them, but the one and two seeds come first. Uh, Michigan State, injuries are mounting up, Shelby. Um, they've got a couple of games left at Michigan, then we've got the Big Ten tournament, etc. Is Izzo's team in peril maybe of 
And right now, I think you have them. You do have them on on the two line, and they look like they were clearly either was either them or Michigan. Oh, maybe that's not maybe that's not fair because Purdue's good too. But to my original point, the injuries mounting up for Michigan State jeopardy of sliding down the bracket. There is that jeopardy. The committee, if if these guys are not back for the tournament, then Michigan State will be more heavily uh, looked at with the games they played without the injured players. So if they lose two or three down the stretch here without those guys and those guys are not coming back for the tournament, then that could slide them down to the four line even. I've seen mm-hmm. things like that happen. Uh, I think Michigan State probably has enough athletes and, and good players that they will be able to sustain and be a two or a three. But if they really kind of free fall here, then watch out. You know, the curious case in the Big Ten is Ken mentioned it's Michigan, Michigan State. And then there's Purdue right there hanging with them. Three losses in the loss column, seemingly tied for the lead. They struggled a lot in non-conference play, had some ugly losses. That Notre Dame loss certainly looks a lot worse than people would have thought before the season. But they turn it on here. Seating-wise, where are they sitting right now for you? And, and how much leeway do they have because of the, non, uh, non, the bad non-conference that they had? They've done enough to get back in the good graces of, obviously, the committee and me. I was close to having them out at one point in late December. Wow. Uh, LSU came on, has come on strong, and they jumped ahead of Purdue uh, to take the last spot on the three line. Purdue is my top four seed. Any slip by LSU and Purdue, as long as they keep winning, will bounce back up to that three line. LSU's playing very, very well right now. Purdue can get back up there possibly without LSU slipping, but I think it's going to be tough. Shelby Mass, BracketWag.com is our guest. Shelby, I know that it's more than just one game uh, that just depends on who's above them and who's below them in the bracket, but you've got a couple of six seeds in your bracket, Iowa and Maryland. They collide tonight in Iowa City. Does what? What is the result of this game going to do? Not knowing, as we sit here right now at ten minutes before eleven, what what other kind of carnage may happen tonight? But is the loser or the winner of this game got a chance to move up or down? I think Maryland would have the better chance to move up because it's a road game. Iowa's supposed to win their games at home, so if they win, they probably stay right where they are. They could move up to my top six seed ahead of Virginia Tech, who lost last night to Virginia, but it, it, it's just depends on how the game plays out. Maryland, if they lose, I don't see them falling. Uh, that's a game they're probably supposed to lose. You, you go on the road in your conference to play a good team, you're not expected to win that. No, one big thing, I, I was taking a peek at the net rankings that really jumps off the page when you look at it, is Houston at number four. Mm. They're playing completely off the radar. Nice team. Made the run a year ago. Got nipped by uh, Michigan at the end of the game in the NCAA tournament. But with Wichita being down, Temple being just okay. Cincinnati's decent American, but overall, they're completely off. What's the highest upside you can see for the Cougars? Uh, I've got them on the three line, and it would be awful tough for them to get up to the two line, considering I've got Kentucky, Michigan State, Michigan, North Carolina on the two line, and then above them on the three line, Kansas and Marquette. Uh, I think even if they win out and win the conference tournament, I don't think that gives them enough quality wins to jump any of those teams. Uh, the I want to go back to uh, Saturday, Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, Iowa State goes on the road and picks off K-State. Wade got hurt in the game but played 32 minutes and started last night. Did that flip-flop K-State and Iowa State in your minds? Iowa State going on the road against a ranked team and winning, conversely K-State not taking care of business at home? 
Yeah, they were very, very close. Uh, I had Kansas State on the four line as my last four seed and Iowa State as my top five seed. So that was an easy switch right there in Kansas State. I, I dropped them a little bit more since it was a home game. I put them down to my third five seed, but I'm comfortable with Iowa State on the four line right now. I know a lot of Iowa fans aren't real happy with me, but that's the way the committee had it a couple weeks ago, and that's nothing big has changed. Another one in the difference between the old system with the RPI and the net system, and that's NC State. A middling team, they're okay. If RPI was still, they wouldn't even be close to the bracket, though. Their RPI is 99th. Yet they're 32nd in the net. Help us out here, Shelby, with this new net system. How a team, how the discrepancy can be that large, 99 in the RPI, 32 in net. What the committee is supposed to look at is Division One games only. That factors into the record that is used in the net formula as it did with RPI. But what is helping these teams like NC State with the net formula is all the efficiency ratings that are in there, and they don't remove the Division Two games. Mm-hmm. Early in the season, we saw teams, you know, granted it was early, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, sample size of games, but we would see teams that beat a Division Two team by 40 points and they would jump up 20 spots in the net. Well, that lets you know that those Division II games are counting. So what North Carolina State has done is played the second-worst schedule in the country, 352 out of 353. They beat about eight teams that were ranked 300 or worse, and they beat them bad. So their efficiency numbers look fantastic. Mm -hmm. Great on offense, great on defense. That has helped boost their ranking, and I really hope the committee does something to, to kind of put a stop to that because you may end up seeing the end of Power 5 schools playing mid-majors when all they got to do is schedule five or six games against very low-end teams on their home court and win by 40, and you're going to be okay. Uh, nobody wants to see that. I'm with you, Shelby. That's interesting. Uh, Shelby, last thing for you. Kansas is a three. They're, they're the highest seeded for you, a Big 12 team at this point. Iowa State's the four, as we talked about. Uh, it, where is Kansas on your three? Are they are they close to the two-line? They are. They're my top three. Top three, three that's what I wondered. Yeah. They could get up to the two line. I think they've got enough negative going for them right now with injury issues. Mm-hmm. They may be playing a little bit better, but I think those teams that I got on the two seat two line are pretty firm right there. It's going to take one of them, and I'm looking at Michigan State with their injury mm-hmm. issues. One of them to lose a few games, and Kansas to to go on a streak here to flip flop them. I don't know. I don't think realistically North Carolina, Michigan, or Kentucky are going to do anything to fall from the two line. In North Carolina, Duke tomorrow night. How will that factor in potentially? I don't think it's going to factor in too much. Me being a Duke fan, I'm already getting a little nervous about it, but I'm excited <laughs> for it. But as far as seeding goes, it could move North Carolina up on the two line. Possibly. I don't know if it would move Duke down with a loss because North Carolina's a good team. Yep. No shame in losing to them. But it, it opens the door for somebody else, maybe Virginia or Tennessee or Gonzaga, to possibly get the overall number one seed. But there's still a lot more would have to happen. Shelby Mass, BracketWag.com, BracketWag.com. You can read him in all the Gannett papers. He's Gannett's Bracketologist. We're fortunate to have him, and we'll talk to you in a week's time. Thank you, Shelby. Appreciate it. You bet, guys. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you. Shelby Mass, BracketWag.com, BracketWag.com. Busy 11 o'clock hour. Mm-hmm. John Miller, HawkeyeNation.com. John Orand, Sports Business Journal. Zoom and Mahente at 1130. Miller and Condon take you till noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.